Hello and welcome to Gilead. I'm Rebecca, I'm one of the pastors here and I am so glad you found us. There are, if you're lucky, somewhere near you, gender neutral bathrooms and something to drink. And basically now you have the ingredients to be church with us. We were so glad that on August 7th, 2022, Sam Coker kicked off our August theme, All the World's a Stage, telling stories of wearing masks and taking them off and pretending to be someone we aren't getting caught up in the act, our own or someone else's. Plus, of course, we're singing bangers from musical theater. Come find us some Sunday night. For now, here is Sam Coker. Dear Sam, thank you so much for auditioning for our upcoming production of the Rocky Horror Show. We are excited to offer you the role of Dr. Frankenfurt. Please review the performance dates below and reply to this email by Sunday, May 13th to accept or decline this offer. Once all offers have been accepted, a complete cast list will be sent out as well as additional information regarding rehearsals. So read the message from Red Curtain Theater. This is a local community theater in my hometown of Conway, Arkansas. A couple of weeks ago, or prior to that, I've gone in for an audition with my brother Joe. And I was honestly hoping for a role in the ensemble, maybe one of the smaller leads. To Joe, I was sure he was going to get a big part. Now, he was a lead in all four years of high school, just killing it from Captain Hook to George Banks, and his success was assured. I had one acting class and had been in one small play from college, and this was my first foray into musical theater in over a decade. I was elated to get offered the part. I remember being excited because not just because this was my first musical theater show and that I'd been successful at my first audition, but because this was the show's most iconic character. Outrageous, confident, and over the top in every sense. Frankenfurter was a daunting character to take on and one I couldn't wait to play. I was excited and honored, and I also remember the look on my parents' faces when I told them. <laughs> Not that they weren't happy for me, they were just concerned. Just a couple of months before this audition, I had formally started the process of candidacy for ordination in the United Methodist Church. They were concerned, I think fairly, that a future congregant or a fellow pastor or a cabinet member would one day see a photo of me all dressed up in the Frank outfit and makeup and think that it was incredibly inappropriate, totally unbefitting of a clergy person. Before I actually accepted the offer, and I did, I asked both my chaplain and my academic advisor, both of whom were ordained ministers, if this was going to be okay. I was like, hey, is, is it, is it, am I going to be all right like, if I do this publicly? And they were both like, eh, yeah, do what you want. So I accepted. And it was so much fun. The choreography was intense but rewarding. Getting to be in a show with my brother who got cast as Riff Raff was an absolute blast. I loved being in a community with my castmates and my crew, everyone learning their lines and blocking together, being really intimidated by and then mastering the dance parts, pulling long rehearsal hours over the weekends and then having insanely fun cast parties when it was all over. And the outfit, pretty great. Picture, full face of drag makeup. My hair was spray painted purple every night. I wore a black corset pink mesh gloves with sparkly green painted nails. Of course, I wore fishnet stockings and heels, not to mention the uh, sparkly heart-shaped purple pasties that I wore, uh, visible just above the corset. 
and a matching crotchless garter belt that one other crew member just had around in their house. <laughs> I also wore, uh, last minute, I remember I wore a leather shoulder pad that covered my tattoo, which would have been otherwise visible, and it also, you know, gave the character like a not-so-subtle Dom vibe. When I think back hard enough, I can still recall the voice that I used, and I aimed for just that right mix of, like, playful and inviting and dominant, you know, it's like a little <laughs> something like this. On the first day that I wore the complete outfit, I barely recognized myself, but in the best possible way. Haley, my castmate who volunteered to do my makeup, called me, you beautiful bitch. And people looked at me differently. Yeah, makeup, outfit, all outrageous. Also, I'm almost seven feet tall when I'm wearing heels, so that could have been part of it too. <laughs> I remember their reactions to the cast and crew's reactions, and I remember the reactions I got on the nights that we performed the show. Cause like, yeah, like, it is me, like that's me up there. But with the outfit and the makeup and the heels and the voice and the absolutely outrageous source material, something was changed. I was changed. I was me, and I wasn't me. Maybe it was just a different side of me, like one that would never show up in my day-to-day -day life, but it would if you gave me the right opportunity. And it's like that for all of us in the show. All the leads, the ensemble members, we were all both ourselves and not ourselves, embracing the ridiculousness and extravagance of the show. And when you combine all of these elements together, the script, the costuming, the choreography, the direction, the lights, the cues, the props, something special takes place. We give permission for a story, a piece of ourselves that normally doesn't see the light of day to come alive and be in the spotlight, if only just for a moment. And it was, it was a little different every time. No two performances we gave were ever exactly the same. And certainly no two community theaters would ever give the same performance of this show. Rocky Horror in particular is really malleable. Like, people have done all kinds of color palettes and settings and costume aesthetics. It could look like anything. And it's all depending on who's directing, who's playing the parts, who's making the choreography, who's dressing the sets and costumes. Everyone taking part leaves their own mark on the show. And there's the audience. Two people may have totally different experiences when they see a play or a musical or a story take place, especially one like Rocky Horror. Each person who carries it or sees it carries their own interpretation of what they saw and what it meant. And this is a great part of theater. It's a story that happens in front of you and it's powerful, it's moving, unmistakably shaped by the people who make it possible and the people who watch it happen. And then it ends. There's a story in the Gospels of Jesus and the disciples going up to a mountain. Depending on which person you're asking, it looks a little different each time. Some of the lines are changed a bit, maybe bits of the set dressing vary slightly, but the basic story is the same. Jesus takes three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, up with him onto a mountain to pray with him. And when they're there, suddenly something special happens. Before their very eyes, Jesus is transformed. His clothes become blindingly white. His face begins shining. Some of them simply read that his face just changes in appearance. And suddenly they see him as part of a community they've never seen him before. 
Because they suddenly see Jesus talking with Moses and Elijah, these immensely significant prophets in their faith, and each of them is clothed, some of the writers say, in heavenly splendor. It's a magnificent scene playing before their eyes, and the last thing Peter wants is for it to end. So he tries very quickly to commemorate what's happening. He says, Jesus, it's good that we're here. If you want, I will make three shrines for you, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But before he can build them, maybe even before he's finished speaking, a dark cloud comes over the mountain. The disciples hear a voice that says, this is my son, this is my chosen one, whom I dearly love. Listen to him. And then, as suddenly as it began, it's over. Jesus just stands there. No more bright clothes or a shining face. No more Moses or Elijah, no more dark cloud or voice of God. There's no time to freeze the moment in place. And as they walk back down the mountain, still processing what's just happened to them, Jesus tells them, don't tell anyone what you've seen. This is a secret. He likes to do that a lot, which is hilarious because all of the secrets are right there in the Gospels for us to read. For an all too brief moment in time, the disciples saw their friend their leader, their rabbi, their mentor in a new way. Luminous, prophetic, in interplay with other luminous prophetic figures. It was dazzling and awe-inspiring, and it was short. It can't be carried with them or commemorated in a shrine. It exists only in this one little fragment of time in front of three people. And even so, for them, it cannot be unseen. These three men carry this scene with them far past the mountain, far past even Jesus' own life. It fundamentally transforms the way they see him, what he means to them, his identity, his purpose, his relationship to God. It is all made blindingly clear in this moment. But the story gets told over again. And even now, we as a community of faith are embedded in the telling of this story, receiving texts that tell of this wondrous event, this transfiguration, being given this powerful story alongside many other powerful stories, trying to make sense of what it all means, interpreting it, reinterpreting it, applying it in new ways, telling the story all over again, a little different each time. So somewhere on some mountain a long time ago, we were told that Jesus was unfolded. For a moment, bound in time, something was changed. Jesus was changed. The disciples who witnessed it were changed. But moments like that happen in our own lives, right? When we're unfolded in front of each other. When just for a little bit, we see each other in new ways. It happens very intentionally in places like theater or LARPing, where we intentionally take on characters and personas, letting the stories we want to tell surface parts of ourselves that are otherwise hidden. It happens in our everyday lives, too. Maybe our appearance changes, our manner changes, or we get enmeshed in new communities, and that changes the way that other people look at us, or even the way that we look at ourselves. Sometimes it's brief. The character cannot last forever. My time in Rocky Horror as Frank was short, and made all the more precious for it. But for that moment on stage, I was him. He was me. And I carry the memories of that performance, of that embodiment, of that community with me for the rest of my life, changed even if in some small way by this experience of being unfolded. 
I worried what people would think when they saw the show. Really, could they ever unsee me dressed in full drag makeup and a corset and heels and like everything else that was going on? No, probably not. Something might change forever after that. But it was okay. My parents, though they were concerned at the beginning, came to almost all of the performances. My aunts and uncles and cousins came. My friends from college, old friends from high school, even, and I can't believe this, old Sunday school teachers, yes. my pastors, and even one of my district superintendents, which is a little method to speak for a pastor's pastor. <laughs> Incredible. And there was so much support and love and joy and lots of laughter. It was beautiful. And the show ended. My brother and I, we took off our costumes and makeup for the last time, never being in the exact same community of people doing the same character again. So what happens in shows, right? You have to go back to everyday life, and it kind of sucks. You get that like post-show depression, but that's the way of things. There isn't any time to build a shrine or to commemorate it. You have to come down from the mountain. I think that performance, or really any kind of like story that we tell and that we share with each other is a moment of unfolding. It's a space where the Spirit of God brings to light another side of us and of our common humanity. Seeing a person on a stage or in a game or wherever it is, it means being witness to a precious, sacred moment in time when stories and characters and persona, each a reflection of our real selves, dazzle and shine. When we are suddenly seen anew, bathed in light, if only for a short time. I think that it's, it's witnessed love, God's love, pouring out of us, of the stories that we tell, that we may see each other even more fully. All of our joys and our griefs and our crazy sides, all sides of us laid bare under the spotlight. It's a gift to be able to see this and be part of it, to break boundaries and be outrageous, because we learn more about what it means to live a good, loving, and freeing life in this way. A couple of months ago, I had the pleasure of meeting Isaac Simmons. Isaac is a candidate for ordination in the United Methodist Church out of Indiana. And they travel and perform under the drag name Ms. Penny Cost. Penny is a classic old church lady, and she preaches while in costume. She's gotten a lot of negative attention from the more conservative sectors of our denomination for what she does, unsurprisingly. But through Penny and the story that she tells, makeup and costume and wig and wings and all. I see the transformative power of performance. When we were writing for this publication, United Methodist Insight, Penny wrote, I chose my name, Ms. Pentecost, because like in the biblical story, the Holy Spirit is moving in new ways today, allowing us to reach folks who have been told they are unknowable, unreachable, and unholy. The art of drag and gender performance allows me access to new conversations, new ideas, and incredible new ways of doing and being the church. Drag has allowed me to process my own understanding of a formless and genderless God. It has drawn me closer and it has drawn me deeper. As Isaiah writes, I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Friends, the Spirit is always unfolding us, showing us the new thing, new ways of being in this world, whether it's through drag or theater or role-playing games or even just moving through the many changes and phases of our everyday lives, we can see it. 
maybe just for a moment on a mountaintop, a moment that we can never get back, but it's enough to change us. May we allow this unfolding to take place, transforming us and transfiguring us all over again. And may we never fail to glimpse this glorious new thing in each other.